0: Well, good morning, City Hill. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to everybody. Uh, Last Sunday, we spoke about the Lord wanting to do new things in our lives. You know, technology is advancing quickly, life is changing, far different than it was 100 years ago, even 20 years ago. And so I challenge you to do two small things. One is sit in different segments of the church today and drive by a different route. Now I don't hardly know where to see people anymore. I'm looking for the, the Bowicks over here, but they're, I don't know if even they're in church. And, Bake, hey, how you doing over there? <laughs> and who do we got over here? We got Natalie, and, okay. It's great, but I'm kind of used to seeing certain faces in certain places. Some of you are saying, whatever. Other people are totally freaking out right now. I do not know these people who are sitting around me unless your entire section moved (laughs) together. Um, Some of these are saying, you know, I can't hear well over here. I don't know these people. I just should have stayed home and stayed in bed. Uh, Then there are those who are just angry. Who is this guy trying to tell me what to do anyway? I'll sit wherever I want, and you're in the same seat you always sit in. Other people are going... I didn't get the memo, I don't know what he's talking about there. Um, And then there are those who just aren't here because they took that new route and they're in St. Paul, I think, this morning, finding a church on the other side of the city. And then there are a few who are saying, wow, you know, I drove a new route to church and I, I saw a park that I never knew existed. And I'm sitting in a new section and I met somebody who's been attending this church for a year that I didn't know was here. And they're finding that there's new life, new people, new beauty to be experienced. May I just say that change can be hard, but change can also be life-giving. And that's our heart and our passion is that you would experience the abundant life that God has for you. You know, we all resist change at some level, all of us. But change may be very good for us as well. Let's pray as we get going. Father, I thank you that you are the God that never changes. That you are the rock that holds us steady in this world. That you don't move, you don't change. But God, at the same time, your mercies are new to us each morning. And that your creativity is boundless. It just knows no end, God. Father, I pray that you would do your new work in me, in us, in our church today. In Jesus' name, amen. I am a creature of habit. I have the same slippers I wear every morning. I get up pretty much at the same time. I like my cup of coffee. I have my special chair. I drive the same route to church. I. I'm a creature of habit, and I like it, but I don't think I'm alone. How many of you are creatures of habit? That's right, there's things we do, we like, we know it, and we wear it, and we do it, and that's the way we are. And in many things, that's totally fine. Some of you sit in the same seats every week, arrive at church at the same time every week. You may be late, every week and you make a pattern of it and you like it you may even eat at the same place I know families that have church and then they go to that restaurant and they eat at that place every Sunday and that's okay and in our world of rapidly changing things things are changing around us at least we have the church we have the church where Jesus is the rock we can count on. God is the unchangeable God. The church where nothing ever changes until it changes. And when things change in the church, it, it, it affects us, not just spiritually, but emotionally, because we're looking for some things that we are, can count on, And when things change, sometimes it can create great inner tensions, even what we would call righteous anger. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way church is supposed to be. Well, fortunately, folks, we are not the first to experience change in the church. We're not the first. I'd like us to open our Bibles this morning to Ezra 3, Verses 10 through 13. A little background to the story of Ezra. This is the 10th century B.C., so a 1,000 years before Christ. And Ezra had the passion to rebuild the temple of God. Now, what had happened to the temple? The first temple was built by the son of King David named King Solomon. And he built this glorious temple according to a pattern and plan handed down by God. To walk into this temple would have been awe inspiring. People, just the glory, the size, the grandeur. As people would have walked in, there would have just been a, a response of worship to God, experiencing the temple of God in the holy city of Jerusalem. But in 586 B.C., Jerusalem was sacked by a king named Nebuchadnezzar. He tore down the massive walls. He tore down the temple, destroyed it, and he burnt the city with fire. And then he took the people, the Jews, and he put them into exile. A horrible, horrible time for the nation of Israel. Then in 538 B.C., a new king, King Cyrus, came to power, and he felt led by God to authorize the rebuilding of the temple. And Ezra had a key role in this, so they took the people of Israel from all over, and the word went out, and they returned to their land. They returned to their city to rebuild the temple of God. Imagine being there. The joy that people would have talked about. This is what the temple used to be like. And, oh, look, here's the foundation. They would have been clearing off all the rubble. And they would have had some builders. And they would have started to lay the foundation for the temple of God. The excitement. I can imagine the conversations. And, you know, they're probably camping because things were torn down. And they would have had their fires outside. And the the joy and the laughter and the stories. And the Jews would have been dancing around the fires Worshiping God, dreaming of the fulfillment of rebuilding the temple of God. And that gets us to our scripture. Let's have some fun with our scripture this morning, okay? A little audience participation, you ready? Everybody stand up. So you are the Jews who have come back to Jerusalem. All right? You've come back to rebuild the temple of God. The word has gone out and you've returned. And as I read, we're going to get down to a place where they had some responsive singing. So this is section one and two. You get this. You get, for he is good. You just go, for he is good. For he is good. One more time. For he is good. All right, good. Now you guys, we're just going to have you kind of read this part that says... For his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. For his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. One more time. For his steadfast love endures forever for, towards Israel. All right, and it's going to be messy. And messy is probably how it was. I don't think they had beautifully tuned everything figured out. They were just happy to be back in Israel. All right, so here we go. Verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets. And the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the direction of David, king of Israel. They sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel for its steadfast love endures forever for Israel. Continue. And all the people shouted with a great shout. Ah! One more time with a great shout. Woo! All right, have a seat. Can you feel it a little bit? Get your blood flowing a little bit? I mean, and it must have been like that for hours. Shouting, noise, trumpets, cymbals, dancing. They weren't quiet going, thank you, Jesus, for this temple. (laughs) That's not the Jews. And all the people shouted a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But, But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen, who had lived, who had experienced the first house, they wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. So you had emotions, folks. You had people shouting, praise God, the temple of our God. And you had old men weeping, saying, oh, no, it's not like the first house. Oh, this is never. And you had them all together at the same time. I was trying to think of a modern-day parallel to it. The best I could get is when the Vikings play the Packers. And there's that last-minute touchdown, and we're all together at somebody's house, and they're screaming and shouting, and some are cheering for the victory, and others are crying for the bad call of the officials. And everybody's screaming and yelling. You don't really know except for the jerseys that people are wearing. But it must have been a whole lot more because that's just fun football. But the Jews would have felt this in their core, in the core. It came from down deep. And the young people who had not experienced the first glories, they were more apt to be shouting for joy because they would have a temple where they could worship the Lord. In the older generation, one of the things they would have been weeping about is they would have said, this temple will not have the glory of God. As I was studying it this week, I realized that the ark of the covenant, where they said the glory of God resided. In the ark and in the tablets of the commandments of God, they had been lost or destroyed. They never came into the second temple. And so what they understood housed the glory of God. The Holy of Holies would not have that. And I can just hear the men saying, it'll be a shell, it'll be a building, but the glory of God has departed. And they would be crying for the, what they would understand to be the lack of the glory of God. And the young people would be saying, we have our temple. And there would have been just incredible passions and emotions and shouting and crying. But God addresses this crisis to the prophet Haggai in chapter 2, verses 3 through 9. The Lord's speaking here, and he says, Who is among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? People would have said, sure, it's a building, but it's nothing. Because it won't be what it used to be. But verse 9 of Haggai 2, the latter Glory of this house shall be greater than the former. I want to read that again. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. You know, things had changed. The second temple lacked the Ark of the Covenant. Things had changed, but God does not change. And God's glory did not depend upon the Ark of the Covenant. God's glory did not depend upon the building. He's far greater than all of that. And he says he would fill the second temple, the new temple, with even greater glory. What an amazing word of God that even though it was different, Even though it may have lacked some things, it would be greater because God would pour out more of his glory upon that second temple. The church in America is in crisis. Attendance nationwide over the years, each year has decreased. Pastors are quitting the ministry at. They estimate 1,500 per month. There's a lot of pastors stepping up. Churches are closing at about 7,000 per year. Now there are about 4,000 new churches being planted each year. But the church in America is walking through some difficult waters. And changes are needed if we're to impact the generation that God has called us to reach. I want to say that again. God has called us not just to come and attend church. That's not the goal. God has called us as his family, as his church, to reach our generation. That's the call of every church in every generation to bring the gospel to their generation. And we have to make some changes, or like we said last week, change or die. The old way of doing church just as is not as effective as it was before. Yet, it's church, and this is where it's supposed to be the same, so we hold on to old ways because they were good. And they were good. But it's hard for us to change. I'm going to step on some toes this morning. But I do believe it's something the Lord would have me speak. And I think. So let me say we hold on to old ways with good hearts. Everybody. What we, the reason we hold on to old ways is because they were good. And we liked them. And they worked for us. And they met our soul's desire. So we say this is good. I'm going to hang on to what's good. And yet. God continues to move in new and fresh ways. And I think we've confused the message with the method. I want that to drop into your heart. We've confused the message with the method. Folks, the message of God will never change. The word of God remains true. The word of God will never change. If the Lord tarries another thousand years, the word of God will remain true. Our world will change. It will look different. Our churches will change and look different. But the word of God will remain true. God never changes. God is the unchangeable. He will continue to be the God that loves, the God that redeems, the God that is Kind and loving and forgiving. And that will never change. So I am not saying that God changes. I am not saying the word of God changes. To the contrary. These are things. The message that Jesus Christ came to earth. As a man. Fully God. Fully man. Died for our sins. And salvation is through Christ alone. That message will shout a thousand years from now. If that year ever comes. The truth. The message of the gospel is unchangeable. Are you with me? But how that is expressed, the method, the method will always be changing. Music styles will change. Yet we resist those changes. How many times have I heard, oh, how I miss the hymns. Uh, so we, we rework the hymns. We, we sang a couple of hymns this morning, and I love the hymns. I could almost be one of those because I love the hymns. I grew up singing, oh, I miss those four part harmonies. Oh, having the hymnal in our hand and singing, those were the glory days. You know, those days are not today. But those are good days. And we learn the truths of theology and of the gospel by the hymns. So hear me good things. Or how about those gospel Bible choruses? How about those ones where we sing songs like, let's go up to Zion, let's go up. How many times did we sing that? Or, you know, I don't even know what that meant, really, but we sang it wholeheartedly. But we memorized scriptures with those, the Lord is my light and my salvation. We'd sing these songs, and they were good songs. And they put the scriptures in our hearts. And sometimes I hear people saying, oh, I miss those those Bible choruses we used to sing. Now, we have different kind of worship today, and I love the worship of today, and you know what? 15 years from now, 10 years from now, there'll be different kind of music because God continues to work in new ways. How about our dress or our hairstyles? You know, people wear different clothes. I mean, you got people coming to church in shorts. Can you believe that, Jim Miller? People come into church, <laughs> we have people, how about those who come to church and they got blue hair or red hair, you know, and, and things change, and I go, who cares? Our church buildings will change. They'll look different. The New Testament, they met in the temple courts, and then they met in homes, then they got bigger buildings because the church grew, and then... In Constantine's time, they got massive temples to show the glory of God. They did all, the buildings change, folks. And now we meet in warehouses and churches and in homes and, you know, it doesn't, it's not about the building. Let me say the Bible will change. Now, before you all shoot me, let me just say what I mean by that. The book, the paper, the book. It used to be oral tradition, the Bible was passed down orally. They memorized by 12 years old the first five books of the Bible by memory at 12 years old, amazing. But then it went from oral to scrolls written by hand, then somebody figured out how to put it in a binding and made books translated from Latin into English and now it's gone from books to your telephone, to your, your tablets, to your computers. And you know what, folks? The Word of God is not the pages. Now, I, I, I would advocate treating your Bible with respect. But if your Bible falls on the floor, you don't have to repent of the sin. The word of God, the truth of God, the words that he spoke to us, that is what is holy. So the Bible changes formats and translations, but the word of God, the spoken word, the truth of the word never changes. But the format, that's why I'm not opposed to people in church following the scriptures on their phone. If it works for you, let the word of God dwell in your heart. Don't confuse the, meth- the message with the method. The message is sacred, it's holy, it's timeless, it's unchangeable. The method is the packing. It's how it's wrapped up, it's how it's expressed. The message is the heart of the matter. The method is how we express it. The message is the essence, and the method is the form and when we confuse those we can get really angry unchanging when someone messes with the form in which we've experienced god and really when we talk about old wine and new wine we're talking about the mess we're talking about the method not the message it's all wine right And the wine is what matters in this illustration, but whether it's old or new is is how it's expressed in our community life together. But the scripture says that no one's who's tasted, when you've tasted the old wine, you say, oh, that was better. It's easy to look back and remember the way it was. Let me mess a little more with us today. Our DNA, as City Hill Church. First of all, we weren't even City Hill Church. We were New Testament Church. We even changed our name. We were the cutting-edge church. We were the church that did things like nobody else did. We were the ones, the radicals out there that people didn't even think were Christians. They spoke in tongues, which were of the devil. They weren't, but they said they were. And they, and they were having this Holy Ghost revival and meetings that went for hours and somebody with a guitar and, and it was all. And we were on the cutting edge of what God was doing. And we were. We sent people out to the mission field with a prayer and a one-way ticket. Hallelujah! Watch God move and God did. But I'm not sure that's the pattern we want for all our new missionaries. And Terry and Roberta said Hallelujah! <laughs> And if it was new, if it was edgy, it was us, us. This is us we're talking about here back close to 50 years ago. But then like all moves of God, we value it so much. We've seen God move, so we package it and we wrap it up and we say this is the way God moves. And you know what? God continues to move in new ways with things that will not change, but methodology which continues to move with God. God's ways are fresh. The scripture says "The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning. They're new to us, they're fresh to us. God's ways are fresh and new to us. But so the real question in my mind if I were listening to me this morning, is why? Why change? I like it the way it is. Why would I change something that I like? Nothing is wrong with the old way, so let's just left, leave well enough alone. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Not so sure. Because the goal is to make disciples of all nations. We have the goal. It's called go and make disciples of all nations. Now to make a disciple, the first thing you have to do is evangelize and get saved. So part of discipling is evangelization. And you have to figure out what's the best way to evangelize this generation, not last one, this one. Maybe the four spiritual laws worked great for you, and they did but is that working today? And if it's not, let's find what's working today, because it's a methodology. It's a packaging of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a way of strategizing how to reach people for Christ. And so if it means stand on your head, let's go stand on our heads. Don't stand on your head. But we need to be open to new ways of God and not say if it worked for me back then it will work forever and ever because that's not true. So we have to look for fresh ways of evangelizing, fresh ways to meet people, fresh ways to use technology. I love the story of my friend that when the internet was just really getting going he wanted to reach a Muslim for Christ but didn't know any Muslims so he found a chat line For English learners and found somebody learning English in Egypt who was a Muslim and he focused in on this guy to teach him English day after day and in the process he led this guy in Egypt to Christ using the internet using technology why not he didn't have to fly there he probably wouldn't even have worked to go meet with him in that context but through the internet he found a way to lead this man to Christ and the story is glorious how the man found the church life's transformed Technology, it's simply a tool that God wants to use to have his glory, his gospel, go out to the ends of the earth. And God has new ways for us here at City Hill. Now, don't get scared. I don't have any great plans to turn things upside down. That's not my plan. The issue is a heart attitude saying, God, what do you have for us? Let's be that church that will be free to try new things, fail sometimes. It's okay to fail. And if our response to failure is grace and love and high-fiving someone, then there's more freedom to try. If we crucify the person who fails, and then you're going to learn lesson pretty quick. Better not try anything because the consequences are harsh. I just want to say that God has a new wine for us here at City Hill. God has a new wine for us here at City Hill. And it may not be something we, I'm not talking about being crazy and insane. I'm talking about being open to the new work of God among us. I've been following the Lord all my life. The Lord keeps saying, I have new things for you, for me, and for you. And one of the greatest dangers is that we can think we get it, think we're there, think we've attained some level, and that we can wrap it up in a package. And when I imagine City Hill Church, I imagine our church being on the cutting edge of what God is doing in the world. I imagine City Hill Church increasing her impact in Eden Prairie, in the Twin Cities. I imagine each of you having a greater impact for Christ in your businesses, in your places of work, in the lives that you touch each day, these lights, just going out, shining the light of Christ to a world that so much needs Christ. I imagine City Hill being a powerful community of believers that cares for each other and walks with each other in times of need, in practical ways, In when there's sickness, when there's people hurting, when there's family needs, that we're that community that is there for each other in ways that sometimes even our natural family isn't. I imagine a church that's growing every day as disciples of Christ, falling more in love with him every day being led by the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, we will change the world. Better said, as we do that, God will change the world through us. I want to close with a prophetic word from that Rich Gow gave, just a couple excerpts of this word that Rich Gow gave over the elders on November 9th, 2014. You might say, well, that's almost five years ago. Yep, it is. But prophetic words often take quite a while, to come to be. We sometimes think the prophetic word is for today or tomorrow or next week at the latest. But some prophetic words take time. And I read this, this is just some excerpts from his prophetic word to the elders and their spouses. He says, There's a new wine coming to City Hill Church. It's a wine that hasn't been tasted before. It's a wine that the Lord has reserved for this church, and no one has tasted it before. It won't be like the old wine. It's going to be a new taste. It's going to have a new kick. It's going to be really fun to drink and really fun to open. But here's the thing about new wine you need a new wine skin the old wine skin just won't work you need a new wine skin let me just close in prayer as i finish reading his part of this prophetic word is a prayer over our church i want to pray over the church these words from pastor rich father god i thank you that you are the brew master You're the one that's creating a brand new taste that's going to be poured out on City Hill Church. It's going to be a taste that hasn't been savored before, and yet it's going to come upon the lips of this congregation. And you say, wow, this is precious. This is beautiful. This is powerful. It's going to make you forget the taste of the old wine because it's going to capture you in such a beautiful way. We thank you, God, for what you're decreeing in heaven for this church. We receive it, Father God, as your purpose going forward in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Amen, there it is. But as I talk about the church, I'm talking about the church, but I'm also talking about the church. City Hill can come into a new time in God, and you can miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss the new thing that God wants to do in you. If there's barriers, if there's walls, if there's fears, let Christ wipe those aside. Let's enter into all that God has for us. I know there's just so much more than what we've experienced. What we've experienced is good, but God has new fresh wine for us as followers of Jesus Christ, amen? Just give me a couple more minutes of your time before we end today. You may have received my email this week. Um, Next week I'm gonna be speaking on, at this moment what I'll call the sanctity of human life. There's been some developments in our country which are deeply troubling to me. I'd appreciate your prayers. Anything you wanna send me, feel free. But my heart is that we as a church would know how to respond and how to defend and how to protect the preciousness of life, which is the greatest gift that God gives us here on this earth, amen? Appreciate your prayers and may you all Enjoy a great week. If you are our guests, I'd like to meet you out at the Welcome Center on the left side going out. And if you'd like prayer and anything that God's been speaking to you this morning.